morning we're in Joshua chapter 24. And Joshua said to all the people, Now therefore revere the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. So in this part of the book of Joshua, you may remember that he's come after Moses. Moses has died after leading the people out of slavery in the wilderness for 40 years. But before they cross over to the promised land, Moses dies. Joshua rises, become the leader of the people, and leads them into the promised land. But now we come close to the end of the book of Joshua and close to the end of Joshua's life. This is his farewell address, if you will. We read from the first verse of this chapter a few weeks ago to start this series and talked about the importance of gathering people together, how important it is for us to gather. But today we read later in the same chapter this climax of the story he's telling them about the importance of staying focused on God and making sure you're focused in the right place. Now, it's interesting to me, years have passed, decades really, so these, in many cases, are second or third generation people, and still they need to be reminded not to live in the past not to worship false gods, not to worship gods that their ancestors had worshipped beyond the river when they were still in Egypt, when they were still slaves. Joshua is reminding them they have a new opportunity to move forward, move into the future by following God. He reminds them, put away false gods. Put away the gods your ancestors served beyond the river back there in Egypt and move into the future. But it can be so hard to transcend our past and to stay focused on the present and move into the future. Being distracted by idols or false gods is a persistent problem for these people. And perhaps for us as well. Even though we gather here on Sundays and affirm our faith and claim our faith and claim our values, 
If we took the time to all share stories about what we did this week, some of us would want to not share everything. Right? You don't want to tell me. I don't want to tell you everything that happened this week and when I was at my worst and when I was distracted. It can happen to any of us where we get somehow focused here and then frustrated and led astray and working on things that are not important, being worked up about things that are not important. Joshua is saying to his people, stay focused on God here. He knows he's close to the end of his life. This is the last word he has for them. Here at the church, our program directors, as part of our continuing education and enrichment, are doing a study of a book entitled Positive Intelligence. It's written by a research professor from Stanford. He's also a business consultant. His name is Shirzad Shamin. Before he wrote the book, he had studied over 500,000 people and their thinking patterns and how their brains work. What he concludes is that most of us are tied primarily into the part of our brain that he calls the survivor brain. Some authors call it the reptilian brain. It's the one that sounds the alarm when something's wrong and makes you know when you're feeling pain. He says that's all well and good. We need that part of our brain to work. It's great at identifying problems but it kind of majors in identifying problems and then complaining and getting stuck in a negative cycle of these problems. He says there's another part of our brain that evolved. He calls it the positive intelligence or the sage part of the brain that is much better at problem solving than is the survivor brain. The illustration he uses to help understand this is like what it is if you touch a hot stove physically, your body, your brain tells you that hurts, there's pain, pull your hand back. He says we need that. But in relationships, in work, and in families, we need to know where the pain is. But he says the response is much more complicated. And if we only use the survivor part of our brain, it's really not very good at solving problems. It can alert us to problems, but it doesn't solve them very well. The PQ or the positive intelligence is much better at creativity, at curiosity, at learning, at joy, in innovation. That's the part of the brain we should be using, but what his tests show is that not only does the survivor brain alert us to the problem, but for most of us, over 80% of us, he says, we just keep putting our hand back on the stove. We like to rehash and rehearse our problems. We like to tell other people about our problems. We want to know that other people know we're hurting, we're frustrated, we've got some pain, we've got some burdens. He says it's okay, except for you get stuck there and it diminishes your life. If you keep the hand on the stove, you're going to experience more pain and more damage. 
And he says what they can see now in brain scans is most of us just keep going back to the survivor brain over and over, and we never access this great part of our brain that's the positive intelligence that actually is really good at solving problems. We get distracted, in other words, not only by our problems, but how we try to solve them. Of course, in the book, he has some exercises to help you access and build your brain muscles just like you might your physical muscles so you get better and better at solving your problems and building positive relationships and finding joy and learning and growing and becoming healthier as you go through life. Basically, he's saying we all have a choice. And Joshua is saying the same thing to his people. That you can get distracted by other gods, by false gods and idols, but you have a choice. He proclaims, we all have a choice. And we have a better choice than living in the past as if we were still slaves, he says to his people. Verse 15, he says, now, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord Choose, choose this day whom you will serve. And then he says, but I'll tell you, for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Who are you going to serve? Where are you going to focus? Where do you spend most of your time when your brain's swirling around in the survivor brain? Or are you able to access your positive part of your brain and move into the future? Joshua says to his people and to this faith community, focus on God. Stay focused on God is the key here. Keep the main thing the main thing. It made me think of devotional classics that have been written hundreds of years ago that generation after generation people find helpful to read in terms of focusing their Christian life or their spiritual journey. There's one called The Imitation of Christ. There's another called Practicing the Presence of God. John Wesley loved one by William Law. You can tell by the title what kind of person Wesley is. It was title was a serious call to a devout and holy life all of them talk about be be intentional about your spiritual life be purposeful realize you're making choices you could even say and wesley would say this a lot be disciplined in your christian life And you will experience a more abundant spiritual experience. Joshua, in these last words to his people, invites them to reflect on their own lives. Who are you serving, he asks. How are you living? Are you making good choices? Are you staying focused on God and how you best serve the Lord? Verse 16 through 18, after he challenges them to reflect and to make a decision, it says, Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. 
For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did these great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in this land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. They lift up these five characteristics or attributes of God, saying that God is the one who has led them and will continue to lead them. That God is the one that freed them from slavery. They say that God is the one who reminds them that God is able through these great signs they have seen. They say God protects them all along their way. And then they say, God even goes ahead of them and prepares the way for them. What attributes of God have you experienced? What are you looking for when you're looking for God or looking for a God to serve? It's important to know who God is. And it's interesting to note that when they share these attributes of God, none of them are put in an individual way. It's all what God has done for the community, for the tribe, for the people, for the nation. It's a great reminder when we're working to understand God that we do much better When we look at the experience of the whole church, of the whole community, of all the people. As I was reading through this, that old story about the blind men and the elephant came to mind. Do you remember that story growing up? Six blind men living in a place where there were elephants, but they had never seen an elephant. But one day they heard there was a caravan coming by that had elephants and they determined now is the time we're going to go learn about what an elephant is like. And so they get up and go together. The one who gets there first runs into the side of the elephant and says, oh my, an elephant is like a strong wall. But the fellow right next to him ends up at the trunk, and when the trunk moves, he exclaims, oh no, the elephant is like a snake. Right next to him, one of the guys finds the tusk, and after feeling it says, oh my, I think the elephant is like a strong and sharp spear. Right then, another one was standing by the ear of the elephant, and when it moved and flapped, he exclaimed, Oh, you all don't understand. The elephant is like a mighty fan. Another one found a leg and felt it and put his arms around it, and he says, Oh, I don't think you all understand what an elephant is. An elephant is like a mighty tree trunk. And then the last guy ends up behind the elephant. Somebody always ends up there. Not a great place. But he grabs the tail and he says, Oh, I think you all missed it completely. An elephant's like a rope. They all have a different experience. Now they can either argue about which one of them is right or they can share their experience 
and have a much fuller picture of what an elephant is like. When we think about God, we'll have a much more complete and fuller portrayal of God when we live and listen in community. When we're willing to share our experience, but also listen to someone else's experience. When we're willing to do the work to try to understand how those go together and how they help us understand and perceive all of whom God might be for us and our community. Joshua and his people list these attributes of God and how God's been at work in their midst. And then Joshua declares, I'm going to serve the Lord. Me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And then the people respond, we're going to do the same. We're ready to serve the Lord. How about you? Are you ready to make that commitment? Are you clear and focused? Are you intentional and purposeful about your own spiritual journey? Are you ready to serve the Lord? Joshua is the faith hero today who invites us to make or renew a commitment to serve the Lord our God. If you were here in worship on July 23rd, you experience a bunch of our children who had been in vacation Bible school and been studying faith heroes come down front and sing a song about what they had learned about serving the Lord. I thought they did a splendid job. So soon after that, I talked to their leaders and said, how about at the end of the series, you come back and sing it for us again and then teach it to us so that we can all remember the lessons that they were learning in Bible school about faith heroes. The words are in your bulletin. The children are going to come. They're going to sing it through for us. And you can see they're going to play some instruments as well. But you be watching because before they're done, they're going to invite us to stand and sing along. Let's listen for these words from this great song. Show grace. Speak truth.